My name is Leonidas, and this is Informed Dissent. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode five of Informed Dissent, the podcast where we push back against the culture of groupthink and challenge the narrative. Hope you're having a great week so far, despite the craziness that continues to go on around the country seeming without end. So anyway, obviously we have a big election coming up, so the rhetoric is in high gear. And I'm sure you've heard the phrase, this is the most important election in our lifetime. Probably every election that you've ever voted in, you've heard that. But this election really is important, and that is not hyperbole. I've been saying for a while, and I'm not the only one that's saying it, but the radical left is unequivocally the single greatest threat to the future of our republic. And it's not so much that people are being radicalized or that a radical element exists, but that this radicalization is being mainstreamed and embraced by the vast majority of our cultural institutions on a large scale level, whether you're talking about education, entertainment, sports, music, Hollywood, mainstream media, corporate America, everywhere you look, this radicalized element of the political left has taken root and spread. It's being normalized. And I say radicalization because what we're talking about here is something that looks a whole lot like an extremist religion. And the problem is what happens when that radical extremist religion gets mainstreamed into our government? and gain substantial legislative and executive power. It's a problem. So in light of that, this week's episode is entitled The Church of Woke. So what is the Church of Woke? Well, there are many elements to it, but ultimately the way I see it is the Church of Woke is a body of believers who passionately, religiously adhere to a dogmatic vision of social justice. That's really wokeism in its essence. And that includes dividing the entire world and all of history into groups of victims and oppressors, and then all of the side effects and flawed thought processes that go along with doing that. And then also placing substantial value on communicating one's own holiness and purity in regards to the church's edicts, and engaging in aggressive proselytism offering a path to redemption through public repentance and self-flagellation. And most importantly, and what makes it so dangerous, is an extreme intolerance for perceived blasphemy and heresy against the church and its teachings, as well as a weaponization of all of the above in a quest for power and control. Now, I've been contemplating this for a while, and like I said, I'm not the only person who has pointed this out. Bo and Ben Weingard wrote a piece for Quillette about a year ago, which aligns with much of my thinking on this, and they listed what they called the five chief dogmas of wokeness. And those were cosmic egalitarianism, which is the belief that all demographic groups are roughly biologically the same, even men and women. The belief that bigotry is pervasive, which, like I said, goes along with the victim-oppressor vision. The belief that if we all work really hard, we can create a more just multicultural society, their idea of utopia. The belief that diversity is almost always a good thing, but only when it benefits so-called marginalized groups. They're not going to advocate for more diversity in the NBA, for example. 
And lastly, that disparities among demographic groups are almost always caused by bigotry, which, you know, if you believe bigotry is pervasive, then that would be the obvious conclusion. So we have nothing but oppressors and victims in the world. And so this idea of social justice becomes infused in everything because pretty much everything is seen as unjust or sinful, except for you if you adhere to the church of woke. Now, before we get too deep into it, I need to make sure I'm clear about the distinction between radical wokeism and liberalism. Okay, liberalism according to Britannica, is a political doctrine that takes protecting and enhancing the freedom of the individual to be the central problem of politics. Liberals typically believe that government is necessary to protect individuals from being harmed by others, but they always recognize that government itself can pose a threat to liberty. So you can see liberalism in the true sense is closer to something like libertarianism than it is to this wokeism that we see on the radical left today. This is important to make this distinction because there are plenty of people on the left who are good, decent, rational people who do not adhere to this radical ideology. I'm thinking about people like Eric and Brett Weinstein, uh, Tim Pool, Dave Rubin. These people are liberals and they reside on the political left. However, the radical left often attacks people like them for their views, which are truly liberal, and labels them alt-right or Nazis or something like that because that's how far left and how extreme and how radical this ideology has become. But this distinction is the same distinction made between the far right and conservatives. They are not remotely the same, and the far right often hates what conservatives stand for. So ultimately, I, I would say that the left and the right do actually need each other. That push and pull of ideas is vital. It is the extremists who are the problem. And it's worth noting that the far right are also dangerous and uh, also religious in their psychosis. But the reason I say that the far left ideology is the single greatest threat to the future of our republic is because of how accepted it is in our society. How it's continually growing as more and more people become radicalized and how it's infiltrating and completely taking over the Democratic Party. The far right is largely impotent and universally condemned. Nobody likes them. Nobody supports them. The far left is mainstream and celebrated. That's the issue. So the Church of Woke is not made up of liberals. I know we've gotten used to calling these people liberals, but they are not interested in the liberty-minded principles of liberalism at all. They are interested in complete domination where their own ideology reigns supreme and uncontested. That's what they're interested in. In the sense that this is a religion, what they're aiming for is a complete theocracy and their own kind of Sharia law. Now, when I say things like this, I get immediate pushback because the people who subscribe to this ideology do not see themselves as religious, obviously, and they find it extremely offensive to suggest as much, which is interesting to me because they're also the same people who fawn over Islam and run interference for radical Islamism. So you would think that such a comparison would actually be a compliment, but it's not. They don't like it. They get very angry. And because they refuse to see their views as religious, 
they fail to see that the reason the Constitution includes the phrase, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, was precisely to prevent people like them from establishing a national religion or dogmatic ideology, whatever you want to call it, and enforcing people to bow to their gods. It doesn't matter what it is. Now, beyond that, what is interesting about the Church of Woke is that their beliefs are fluid and malleable and almost always self-contradictory. The principles of this church are wholly dependent on what communicates holiness and purity in that moment. Because of that, there's little consistency in what they believe and how they express it, except for maintaining this sort of hierarchy of victimhood. I mentioned Islam. And within wokeism, there is a sense that Muslims are victimized and must be advocated for in order to, again, communicate one's holiness in the movement. But LGBT people are also victimized and on that hierarchy. So when the Pulse shooting happened in Orlando in 2016, the woke were torn because they didn't know who to defend and who to signal for. It it was like a moral dilemma for them. Ultimately, many people decided to just completely throw the LGBT people under the bus in favor of advocating for Muslims, deciding that Muslims were higher up on the hierarchy and needed, uh, needed to be defended. The same thing with feminism and trans advocacy, as we saw with the attacks on J.K. Rowling when she made the simple statement that sex, that is male and female, is real. This kind of hierarchical approach to how they choose which principles to claim in the moment explains why Jacob Blake has been the entire focus and not the woman he sexually assaulted. Because Blake is higher up on the victim hierarchy. At the very top of this hierarchy, top of the food chain, is critical race theory and black victimhood. Black victimhood is the trump card. I don't think anything within this woke spirituality carries more weight or power than black victimhood and the white guilt that accompanies it. Systemic racism and inherent bigotry is this religion's original sin. Critical race theory and its Marxist and postmodernist foundations are the most important teachings to wokeism. The essence of critical race theory is an assertion that racism is essentially woven into the fabric of society and always has been, which ultimately requires a messiah-like redemption in order to cleanse the world of its moral failures. White supremacy is the dominant overarching evil, often represented by police, and it is intertwined with everything and everyone to the point where they believe that all white people are racist or at best benefit from a racist system, and even that people like me have only managed to evade the oppressive aspects of systemic racism by behaving like a white person and adhering to white norms and therefore benefiting from white privilege. I, I wish I were joking, but they really believe this. And as Bo and Ben Weingard pointed out in the Quillette article, every disparity is viewed through a lens of oppression and determined to be due to bias and bigotry. They'll even go as far as labeling Hispanic people as white when convenient, like they did to George Zimmerman, and Asians as white adjacent. White adjacent. What does that even mean? 
And when you challenge them on any of their emotional reasoning, irrational conclusions, inconsistencies, or statistics that refute their assertions, they deflect and pretend like you're just not enlightened enough to understand, and they attack you personally. I've had people even tell me that you can't use statistics because the statistics themselves are products of systemic racism. And then when I called them out for using statistics to justify their position, they accused me of having internalized white supremacy because that makes sense. But, you know, I, I want to show you how crazy this stuff is. There's a video of this woman giving some kind of seminar where she explains how all white people are basically racist demons. And it's just it's absolutely insane here. Just see for yourself. So <laughs> I put this up because I really want any white person in the room to know up front that this is what we're dealing with, that it's not going to be this coddling of white tears and what that looks like. We're not going to discuss, oh, maybe some of us have worked it out. No, you're always going to be racist, actually. So even when you're on your path to trying to figure out how to be a better human being, um, because I believe that white people are born into not being human, like that actually instead of people of color and black folks being dehumanized, that actually everyone is dehumanized off rip within white supremacy, that y'all are born into a life to not be human and that's what y'all are taught to do, to be demons. So in this particular way, white people are all racist. Just utter madness, utter madness. So we see this religion also has its ministers and its prophets. People like Ta-Nehisi Coates and Robin DiAngelo and Nicole Hannah-Jones with her 1619 Project who push out these crazy ideas and people just accept them as divinely inspired gospel and then carry them out to their own congregations or they go out to evangelize. They also have their martyrs and their saints, as we've seen very well over the past few years, particularly the past few months. It doesn't matter if they're criminals, who cares? because the police as a whole have been designated as a force of unbridled evil, a physical manifestation of white supremacy. Even if it's a black cop, doesn't matter. And so dying at the hands of police, regardless of circumstances, is seen as an act of violence against the entire faith, and it qualifies you for sainthood. A martyr who gave their life for the cause, canonized and placed forever in memory as a symbol of the church itself. We've also seen conversions to the religion happen in real time with people like Drew Brees, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. He originally believed that it was disrespectful to kneel for the flag and was excoriated by the Church of Woke for his blasphemy to the point where he was essentially forced to convert. He had to publicly repent for his past sins and then engage in public spiritual cleansing rituals to prove his fealty and his newfound righteous enlightenment. And so now he does things like plastering the name of a rapist who fought police officers onto his helmet. What are you doing, Drew? See, the truth that underlies the action doesn't matter. And the action of putting Blake's name on his helmet doesn't actually do anything. All it does is signal to the church that he is delivered from his past sins, that he's committed to the doctrine, and that he is now a believer. Now, I don't know that Drew himself is radicalized. I mean, probably not. He's probably just going along with it like, you know, he's being held hostage because he's in too deep now. The punishment for apostasy is steep. Those who adhere to critical race theory and black victimhood 
are very good at using emotional manipulation to get people to do what they want. And then when that doesn't work, they try to destroy you. And there's no convincing the radicalized that their worldview is flawed. They'll just write you off as someone who doesn't get it, a lost sinner who can't understand the mysterious workings of their faith. And then they try to punish you for it. But again, it doesn't really matter what it is that they're championing, what they're writing on the ground or putting on their jerseys and helmets or hashtagging on Twitter. It, it doesn't matter if it makes sense or has any rationality behind it. I have no doubt that many people actually believe in their causes, especially things like systemic racism. But all, all that ultimately matters is that it communicates the intended message, which is I am holy and virtuous and that it shifts power in their direction. The message of righteousness and moral enlightenment. That's the purpose. If they can communicate that message and gain the power that they seek, they'll abandon the cause they championed yesterday in order to do it. Antifa, that is anti-fascist, have no issue engaging in political violence. Feminists have no problem engaging in sexism. Anti-racists have no problem engaging in racism. It doesn't matter. The ends justify the means. That's why, for example, white people who subscribe to wokeism would think there is no inconsistency when they engage in racially charged attacks against black conservatives after they had just been championing a cause that claims systemic racism is oppressive and suppressing black voices. They won't see that hypocrisy. Ideological consistency would demand that they're open to conservative black voices and amplify them as allies. But there's no power to be gained from that, no ability to signal their holiness. In fact, they'll likely be excommunicated from the church for amplifying the wrong message and would be labeled heretics themselves. So they have an incentive to not be consistent. It's very performative the way it actually works. It reminds me of the Pharisees in the Bible whom Jesus criticized because they didn't actually care about the scripture or the underlying meaning or purpose of it or the power of prayer, etc. They only cared about standing outside in their fancy robes where everyone could see them and praying loudly so that they would draw attention to themselves. They wanted people to view them as holy and righteous. That was vastly more important to them than actually being holy and righteous. It was more important to express the religious beliefs than it was to actually implement them into their lives. This is the essence of wokeism. In the past, I've called it photo-op philanthropy. It's all a performance, and the radicalized use it as a tool of manipulation in order to gain and hold power. And as I mentioned earlier, it wouldn't be as huge of a problem for everyone else if the radicalization wasn't rapidly spreading and if these Pharisees didn't decide that a great way to exhibit one's own holiness and commitment to the cause was to seek out and punish those they perceived to be unholy. Now, we all know that Christianity has had some really dark parts of its history. One such part was from the 12th century through the 14th century, when the Catholic Church instituted something called the Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition being probably the most well-known what happened was the church would send inquisitors to different towns to root out heretics. And these inquisitors would give people a chance to renounce their heresy. 
And after the accused were forced to confess, they were punished with whippings or pilgrimages or something. And if they were accused and did not confess, they were tortured and ultimately executed. And much like the Salem witch trials, an accusation alone was enough evidence to condemn a person. The truth of the accusation was irrelevant. Like I said, if they refused to admit their heresy, they were disposed of. During the Spanish Inquisition, around 32,000 people were executed. 32,000. So yeah, pretty dang brutal. Now you might say I'm being a bit hyperbolic here by comparing wokeism to something like the Inquisition. But how do people who subscribe to this far-left ideology treat those who disagree with them? They call them racist, sexist, homophobic, claim that they want people to die, accuse them of advocating for violence, just the most extreme ad hominem that they can come up with. They call speech violence. They call opinions dangerous and claim that lives are at risk. Anything that violates their sacred doctrine is considered evil. Look at how they treated Kavanaugh for the sin of opposing abortion. It was paramount that they paint him as the worst of the worst. It absolutely was an inquisition. They even called false witnesses to testify against him. All pretense for relying on evidence and objectivity was completely thrown out of the window, and mere testimony was enough to condemn him. Journalists, who are actually activists, decided that the witness seemed credible. Seemed credible. Do you understand how insane that is? The Inquisitors then demanded that Kavanaugh publicly confess to his sins and accept his punishment. And when he refused, they called more witnesses without any evidence, proclaimed him guilty without any evidence, and demanded he be burned at the stake for the crimes he committed without any evidence. Thankfully, there were enough sensible people to rally around him and resist this madness, but it was extremely horrific to watch. And you might say, well, that's just politics. And you would be wrong. This is crazy. That should not be normalized. And it's not limited to politicians or judiciary. And even if it were, how can you possibly believe something like that is normal? It isn't. Cancel culture is pervasive. And it's affecting everyday Americans who will have a target on their back if they're found out to be heretics. I can't tell you how many people have told me that they're afraid to speak out for fear of retribution. They could get fired and lose their jobs. They could lose everything. In various cities around the country, we have mobs that are taking to the streets and demanding that people bow to their cause. They burn and they loot. They march through neighborhoods and terrorize people in their houses. They flip tables and try to intimidate restaurant patrons, demanding that they raise their fist in solidarity and recite the Holy Scripture. Black lives matter or else face retribution. They proclaim that it isn't enough to not be racist. You must be actively anti-racist. They demand submission or else you'll be subject to punishment. You will bend the knee one way or another. That is their thought process. This is a new inquisition. Cancel culture is just another name for it. These people will seek out enemies of the faith wherever they can be found and if they have the power to do so, they will destroy them. An Antifa member actually killed Jay Danielson in Portland. 
not because he had actually done anything or because he was any kind of threat. He was killed because he was a heretic. Do you see what's happening here? They will do what they can to cause people to lose their jobs, lose their reputation, and yes, even lose their lives. Is it too harsh to align the Church of Woke with that Antifa member? I don't think so. He was just slightly more committed than the rest of the congregation. I'm not pretending the Woke has reached that point of radicalization yet as a whole, but they are not far off. People laughed and mocked Scott Adams when he said conservatives would start being hunted by radicals. That wasn't that long ago. No one is laughing or mocking him now. But just logically speaking, if you tell people that speech and ideas are literally violence, then why would literal violence not be used in self-defense of such speech and ideas? That Antifa member that shot Jay certainly believed in that line of logic. He believed he was fighting actual Nazis. He viewed himself as holy and pure, a, a force of light setting out to purge the world of darkness. This is the call of Antifa. This is the call of Black Lives Matter. Heretics are fascists and racists who must be defeated and destroyed. Just as the radical Islamist believes he is fighting infidels in some grand jihad, they see themselves as noble. And if these infidels are truly evil and truly monstrous and something less than human, then it doesn't matter what horrible things you do to them because they deserve it and it's for the greater good. Now listen, there is obviously nothing wrong with religion or being religious. There is nothing wrong with being passionate about beliefs or being an activist. There is nothing wrong with wanting to help people and to fix problems in our society. The problem comes when we are intolerant of others' viewpoints and perspectives. That is, by the way, the very definition of bigotry. So if you find yourself in the church of woke, now is a good time to defect. The world is not made up of oppressors and victims. Racism is not woven into the very fabric of our society. And not all white people are racist. The vast majority are not. It's time we let go of this cynical view of society and stop judging people on anything other than their actual character. It's time to cancel cancel culture itself and learn how to have discussions again with people we disagree with. And it's time to start caring less about the appearance of being a good person and care more about actually being one. Thanks for listening. I'm Leonidas, and this has been Informed Dissent. If you would like to help support the show through donation, you can do so at donorbox.org slash Leonidas. D-O-N-O-R-B-O-X dot org slash Leonidas. I really appreciate that. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, give it a five-star rating, share with your friends. Also, follow me on social media at Leonidas Johnson. And check out my website at LeonidasJohnson.com. And always remember, do your own research, challenge everything. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe. We'll see you next week. God bless.